Hello and welcome to Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, an hour-long discussion of activity in the financial markets around the world featuring columnist John C. Dvorak and money manager Andrew Horowitz. This conversation is casual and unrehearsed. Let's join John and Andrew now. I'm John C. Dvorak. And I'm Andrew Horowitz. And it is the uh, 21st of uh, March. Yep, that's one day after my birthday. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Is your birthday. I got your card. Uh, thanks. I, 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 I didn't know if you'd get it on time. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh, crazy things happening in the markets. We've got a full-blown banking crisis, and the S&P 500 PE is still above 17, which is amazing, and even higher these days. I mean, it's, it's uh, kind of crazy that it seems that most people are not even affected by this. It's like, oh, don't worry. We've seen That's this before. That's what pretty much what me, what me worry. Yeah, of course. Because the fact is that nobody cares about it makes us think. Look, the other thing that's really problematic about this is all the chit-chat. You know, Yellen has to come out and say a little something here and there. And, you know, that they talk about these crazy things like backing the entire deposits. Um, in, in the face of the fact that we still have pretty significant inflation that I think everybody's forgot about. You know, 6% inflation is nothing to sneeze about. No, it's no good. You know, if it was, if we topped out at 6%, people would be freaking out. Meanwhile, we went up to, you know, 8 or 9%. So the Fed has a big decision tomorrow. Today is the start of the two-day meeting where the Fed get together, grouse, talk, have lunch, chat, commiserate, whatever the hell they do, plan, a little miserly planning going on here with, with kind of, you know, uh, the hands ringing, you know. Anchors. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, that's tomorrow at 2 o'clock tomorrow. And then 2.30, of course, will be Fed chair's power up to opportunity to calm markets and try to say something to raise them all up, which would be so unbelievable because it would be – the way that markets have reacted in the face of all this is not deflationary. It's not slowing down things, even though we're seeing – a few interesting components move. I mean, we saw bond yields, for example, last week, largest move since 1987. Now, how many, John, how many of these comparisons do we need to have to realize before we say something's just a little bit off? I think we've gone way past the minimum. Yeah, I mean, we had the greatest increase in inflation since the 70s and 80s, uh, the greatest this or that since 40 years ago. We had... Now we have the um, largest move, which we saw last week, from about close to 4% down to like 3.2% on the 10-year. Absurd moves. Two-year all over the place. Whack it around. Amazing. Still inverted the yield curve, by the way, which is a negative thing. And um, we saw that banks are, are now joining in a charade, a $30 billion, I don't know, not a cover-up, but a... You cover up. Okay, cover up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and whatever you do, please don't say this. You can't, under any circumstances, you're not allowed to say the word bailout. Can't you say, can't say it. Can't say bailout. Nope. For whatever reason, no matter what it is, it's it's not a bailout. Like, I'm not exactly sure if you use the word bail. what happened? I, I honestly don't understand what the problem is with that word. It, it is a functional definition of infusing money into a bank, but yet it's taken on a different. It, the me, the I think it's taken on a new definition 
in terms of the economy, which means the it means a taxpayer specific taxpayer uh, bailout. In other words, it's not a bailout if if the taxpayers don't do it. So if no, okay. So therefore, using the word bailout would mean somehow that I am paying for somebody else's stupidity as a taxpayer. Yes, right. Whereas, if we don't know where the money comes from, and it seems That's fine, it's fine. Blah 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 blah. I can't. <laughs> don't say anything. I can't hear you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, I got it. It's over there, somewhere over there. Okay, um, we have some uh, two two weekends in a row. We had forced mergers of banks. Or put, it's either force merger or shoot the horse and put them out of their misery. Two weekends in a row, Credit Suisse was forcibly merged, of course, right before the opening of the, of the futures with UBS. Even though UBS said, oh, absolutely, we're not doing this. We'll pay a billion dollars at most <laughs> of this crap. Yeah, I don't want to do it. No, no, no. Right, and then they do it. Then we saw another well, they, bank. You had a gun to their head. New York City Bank Corp then bought the assets of Silver Lake Financial of New York, Silver Lake. That was Signature. Signature, sorry. Signature, yeah. Signature Bank yeah. of New York. Um, and it's interesting because I know some of the people at that bank, uh, at New York City Bank Corp, they did pretty well in that deal. It looks like after I saw that the stock was up 35% the next day and up another 7% today. Looks it, like they're getting a really sweet deal. Them. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, they get pretty much uh, clean up on money that is good and don't worry about the bad. To a degree, like get a discount on it, and and then uh, it's it's fully accretive like right away. That's pretty amazing, huh. pretty amazing. Um, big fire sales on that. Big thing is cocoa bonds, uh, AT one or ATI bonds. Uh, big massacre. We're calling this a rug pull, where we had all these investors in these cocoa bonds, which we're going to talk about. That got just absolutely more than obliterated. They got written down to zero with the transaction with UBS. And, and people are like, no, we're bondholders. We're not supposed to lose money. This this new thing about nobody loses money, it's pretty um, pretty amazing that we're, we're still, well, I guess we trained the Everybody Gets a Trophy Award. Yeah. That's yeah, what this is. This is the grown-up version, the, 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 the financial version of it in 2020-plus. Um, Goldman says today, or I think it was yesterday morning, rate hikes are over. So they're betting that tomorrow is not going to be any rate hike. Right now, there's a 62% probability of a 25 basis point. What do you think? Well, I wrote down coming up right here, what's going to be tomorrow? This was going to be a discussion with you. So we got three, uh, four different, four different possible playbooks that can be utilized tomorrow. First thing is, the ECB playbook, which was used last week, that in the face of a raging crisis, they said, I'm still raising by 50 basis points. That's what we said we're going to do. We still have yeah. inflation. The fact that there is a financial crisis doesn't matter right now. We're really trying to stave off this inflation monster. But you know what? We're going to probably wait and see for the next set of information what we're going to do. So stick with the gun of a heavy hand on inflation but back off after the fact. That's 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 playbook one. Playbook two is the Powell playbook. It's whatever the market says he does, whatever it is. So the market says right now, sixty-two percent, say twenty-five basis point. So we'll do that, and we'll keep. Then we'll keep pushing that the data is really important, and that's what we're looking at, trying to save face. 
Then you got the Volker Volker playbook. Ram it hard, right up the asses of every investor. Just keep on pushing. And then we have finally the Bernanke playbook. Zero move or a cut at this point. Cut. That would be a good one. So that that's the that's the four possible. I, I think it's going to be clear with the Powell playbook because that's obviously. Uh, well, I heard something interesting because uh, I was thinking, well, you know, because we both talked about how nice it would be if they just stopped and and smelled the roses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somebody made an interesting point on one of the uh, shows. They said, uh, you know, the problem, you can't do that. You can't do a zero because that would be admitting that there's a problem with the banks. Yeah, right, right. So it's a psychological thing. It would send the wrong message. Yeah, the signal. Yeah. And so you have to, and because you've been saying, and everybody's been saying, well, it's going to be tw- uh, 25 points, and it's going to be this, it's going to be 25, it's going to be 25, everyone's in agreement. Of, and uh, if, at, if at the last minute they dropped it to zero, which would be nice, they would be admitting there's something wrong with the banking system. So, uh they can't do that. So it's going to, I think so too. I think 25 is in the cards. Yeah. And what they'll they do, can, they're not doing 50. They're not doing 50. No. Uh, it, because of course the, the, this fed does not like to surprise markets. So what markets do is price in what they want, what they think is reasonable. And the fed just goes along with it. That's how this is. This is totally the tail wagging the dog. There's no question about this. This Fed. Yeah, that's the way you can predict it so easy. Exactly. And and uh, for the record, one more time, if, if you hadn't heard me say this, these guys suck. Terrible people. Awful, awful. All they do want to do is give out money, and and um, they realize there's a panic. They're just going to hide it as long as possible and cover it up with new funds. We saw this last week, right? Or was it this week I want to show it to you? This is pretty fascinating. It was this week. Let's see if I have it. Oh, yeah, I got it. Go down to, uh, all the way down to the chart. See where it says QT pivot? Getting there. There it is. So check this out. So this is pretty fascinating. This will be on the show notes for DH Unplugged episode number Yikes. 646. So since last April 2022, we see the blue line. You see that blue line? Yeah. That is the drawdown. Not tremendous, but the drawdown that the Federal Reserve has done through the quantitative tightening process. So they have reduced their balance sheet over that time from April 2022 to March, two, almost a year, 2023, $626 billion. They let bonds roll off. They didn't renew. It's just, you know, it just moves off. In the last week, they bought back $297 billion worth of bonds, injecting liquidity into the system. QE3. Pretty much. Pretty much $300 billion in about a week. Yeah. And that's half the amount that was taken out of the system for the intent of cooling off the inflationary trends and things of that nature and stopping all the stimulus. And we're right back to where we were. Well, I don't see how this is going to do anything for inflation. Not, not at all. Two, I mean, $297 billion. They needed that because they had to buy all the crap from the banks. Terrible. Well, the, the, bank, the crap from the banks that they told the banks to buy. Right. So they're just adding it back. 
which which leads me to the conclusion this will never go away. The asset, <laughs> right? You know what? You're probably right. That's funny. Yeah, you can. It's never going to go away. They, every yeah, time they try to do be this, the way it, it is forever until the whole thing caves in. Yep. Until there's just nothing left. Then again, uh, there is the old um, monopoly definition that goes a long way. So uh, we're technically playing a game of monopoly, all right, aren't we? That's what this is. Treasury Secretary Yellen says the government could backstop more deposits if necessary to stop contagion. Now, hold on a second. Oh, 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 oh. oh good secretary. You are going to backstop more? We have trillions in deposits and like $281 billion in FDIC backstops. How is that going to happen? Trillions. And in Monopoly, the rules say this, the bank. The banker, this is right from the definition of a Monopoly game. The bank never goes broke. If the bank runs out of money, the banker may issue as much more as needed by writing on any ordinary paper. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. People yeah, are complaining you're too low. You're not loud enough. Oh, uh, I can crank it up a little bit. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. That's probably loud enough. How, you, how do I sound? You sound a little bit light, but I'll, I'll push you here. I'll push you on my side a couple of bit, bits. Let me go here. And Sorry, go. people. Sorry, people. There we go. Um, so, you know, what? What? why would... Now, why would Yellen say that? Going back to what she said this morning. The idea that they're going to backstop more deposits just, than necessary. Maybe it's just a psychological thing. They're not going to backstop. I mean, you don't need to backstop a, a trillion dollars because not the, the whole system is not collapsing. So then why say this if there's not further, if there's no For, further problems, is it just an insurance policy? No, I agree policy? with that. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't, I just, uh, positive attitude. I have no idea why, why you'd say anything. You say that because obviously. Maybe she is, can't stop. She likes to talk. You ever notice this? Yes. This droning style that she has. Oh, horrible. Horrible. I think she should retire. Really? All of these How guys. How old is she? 90? I don't know. Uh, uh, Janet Yellen. W let's guess before we look. I'm going to say, so I'm saying seven. I'm saying 75. Oh, 676. It's too old. I nailed it. Too old. Yeah, I'd say. Seriously, born in 46 and nine. It's enough. I'm just. I'm just. Yeah, this is a baby boomer. Done with these people. Um, I asked, question, I asked a question on Twitter um, this week. I said, why do so many investors enjoy throwing hard-earned money into dumpster fires? You well, know, that's, that's kind of an open-ended question. Well, the whole point is everybody's just, uh, I have a friend who calls me up on Friday. Should I buy First Republic Bank? I'm like, what? On a Friday? It's down 18%? He says, yeah, but it's a lot. I said, I don't, on a Friday, why would you do that on a Friday when we have no idea if this bank is going to be in existence on Monday. So then he goes and he calls me up and goes, uh, I bought it after the close of 2150. I'm like, oh, okay. But I bought small. I'm like, okay. Meanwhile, you wake up on Monday, the thing's uh, trading at like, you know, 16. I don't know what the point is. It seems that there's this desire to, now, what could possibly happen? Somebody's going to buy out this bank and the bank's going to go up 100 points? I don't think so. 
So No, it's going to go to about where it is right yeah. now. Crazy. If you want to follow The Real Dvorak on Twitter, that is his handle, at The Real Dvorak. We haven't given out our Twitter handles in a while. And also, uh, mine is Andrew Horowitz, just one word. Andrew Horowitz. So, right now, the, the playbooks are being dusted off, John. We have plenty of financial crisis moves being made. Made. We have a $30 billion uh, $30 billion from a consortium. You like that word, consortium? I like saying that. Consortium. It's like a juxtaposition. I can't ever say that word very right. Can you say that word? Juxtaposition? Juxtaposition. Yes, yeah, it's a juxtaposition. Juxt. So uh, we have this, this consortium of banks that are putting money in, as we talked about, in non-insured accounts was the push. They said that we're putting money in, $5 billion from this bank and $2 billion from this bank and a billion from this bank. And, you know, as a show of good faith, we're going to be putting it into uninsured. Again, uninsured was, like, highlighted, bold. It was almost three-dimensional, popping off the page. Uninsured deposit accounts at First Republic. Like, oh. What's, why do they need to be saying that? It's obviously because they want to make it look good. Methinks there was a little bit of a wink and a nod from the Fed that said, hey, do this. The Treasury said, we'll back you if things go bad. We're not going to let your, your money fall apart, so don't worry about it. We're going to have to bail it out if it goes under, so we'll bail you out too. But at least we have a chance now because you are now creating this wonderful feeling for people that it's safe to put their money there. That lasted like 20 minutes. And the bank kept on careening lower and lower. There is no way there was a absolute risk on without a backstop, in my opinion, from, you know, from the Fed. So now that's number one. Meanwhile, investors weren't impressed. Went from 29 to 17 since the announcement. And then there was breaking news on Monday. J.P. Morgan Chase, he says, he's leading in talks with bank executives and other banks about new FRC plans. A deal could involve converting the previously announced $30 billion in deposit into a capital infusion. Not a bailout. Into a capital infusion. Now, there was another correction after that. That may not be the way they want to go. Maybe just split it up and uh, meanwhile somehow look at... Uh, Look at somehow you know splitting the bank up into different parts and various parts of Wall Street buying it. 47% drop yesterday, 36% increase today. I think it was actually uh, up 28 at the end, but 90% down from its peak. So if this isn't disconcerting, <laughs> the games that are being played here, and I think everybody needs to pay attention to this, and this is what we do, right, John, on this show, we try to um, really take apart a lot of the the things that are going on out there and the and, machinations. Yeah. And try to really explain to the average folk who, who is everybody out there, you know, what does it really mean what they're saying? Because what they're saying is not always the truth. The only problem is even if you don't believe what they're saying, sometimes you have to go along with it anyway, as an investor. Yeah. Yeah. That's the old, uh, we have a, a term for that. I forgot what it is. But I guess we could re-term it going along with the program. Yeah, ride the coattails of the bullshit committee. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we have. Um, Peg is at 1.8 on the S&P 500, which is pretty remarkable. Yields up. What is it usually? 
Um, it, it, you know, one uh, uh, S&P at one, 1. 1.2 is reasonable. 1.3, 1.8 seems a little hot. Yeah, it seems pretty high. You know, and, and for a whole index too. Any individual stock could have a two, two and a half. Some are a lot lower, but they're paying a lot. 1.8 times the growth rate uh, is, is a lot. So with the backdrop of a global financial crisis, let's forget about the hermit state of, you know, of North Korea blowing off bombs. Let's forget about maybe some Taiwan issues. Let's talk about, forget about the whole chip issue with China. Forget all about that. China visiting, you know, uh, uh, um, President Xi going over and visiting um, Putin. Putin. Let's, let's forget about uh, the, the new prime minister of Japan going to visit Zelensky. Let's forget all about this, right? Let's just look at the global banking crisis and yields up really high. So, uh, stupid. Stupid. So here's what happened. Cocoa bonds. Have you ever heard of cocoa bonds? I can't say that I have. It's an abbreviation because us, us in Wall Street like to have these cutesy names, right? So cocoa bonds are contingent convertible bonds. There's the co and the co. Yeah. So wiped out in the deal where UBS bought uh, Credit Suisse. Wiped them out. $17 billion lost as regulators said, you know what? Uh, we can't pay everybody. So we got to find layers down below this, the debenture level. So so debenture is the bonds. And there's um, subordinated debt and, uh, and unsubordinated debt. There's different levels of debt, which would be the payment hierarchy in the event of a bankruptcy. So if there's no money, the highest level of bonds gets paid first, then the next level, then the next level, then maybe the preferred stocks, then the common stocks, way down below. So the common stocks stock's going to be you know technically wiped out. You'll get a little bit of money if you're a stockholder. But these cocoa bonds, these are high-yield investments. This is what, what a lot of people talk uh, think about these are um, is, is high-yield investments with a hand grenade attached, also known as ATI bonds. They're essentially a cross between a bond and a stock that helps banks bolster capital to meet regulations. So already we know, all right, what was this? It was a stock <laughs> disguised as a bond in order to prop up banking um, asset level requirements to meet the regulations that were designed to prevent failure. And they're contingent in the sense that, that, that their status can actually change if a bank's capital levels fall below a specific, specified, specified level. And the convertible, because in many cases it can be turned into equity. So what happened here is that this false security that was being utilized in order to create um, this uh, excess capital for requirements to meet regulations so that you would be, you'd pass tests, right? It's the equivalent of putting a penny under your tongue to get a fever, to not go to school. That makes sense. I tried that trick. What do you mean? Of course. Well, you just have some, you just uh, drink some hot, warm water or something, don't you? We used to put like a penny on on the radiator and then stick it in your mouth. It hurt, but it worked. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet. So, uh, I've never heard of these things. There's so many of these crazy vehicles that these people, these guys, these creative types create. Oh, the bankers, that's their job. 
Yeah, they come up with the damnedest things. The next thing you know, it's like it looks good on paper. Right. On paper, it looks great. And we're never going to get to a situation where, you know, we're going to fall so far below. No. And if we do, listen, it's down below. People know it was convertible. It's an equity play. And they're not getting their equity just like the equity shareholders. It's really yeah. kind of, it's terrible. It actually makes sense the way you describe it. Yeah. It's, it's a bond that doesn't, it's a bond that has none of the security of a bond, but all the security of a security, which is no security. Huh. Hmm. Well, there you go. Um, let's see here. Goldman said that. Okay. More deals. A subsidiary, I mentioned this, a subsidiary of New York Community Bank Corp. NYCB is a symbol is entered into an agreement with U.S. regulators to purchase deposits and loans from New York-based Signature Bank, which closed earlier this month. Uh, this is about a week after, week and a half after they closed. The, the division is called Flagstar Bank, which is a bank that regionally purchased out of Texas. Uh, they assume substantially all deposits and here's the key thing, certain loan portfolios and all of 40 of Signature Bank's former branches. So the FDIC said roughly $60 billion of the bank's loans and $4 billion of the deposits will remain in receivership. So they basically got the good stuff, right? The cream? Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. I like that deal. Yeah. Go bankers. Go bankers. Huh. How great would that be if you just saw somebody like, you know, you see like, it's almost like, oh, look at that guy suffering in the street, down in his luck. You know, he's got a nice suitcase with him and some nice clothes. Let's take it from him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's pretty much what it is. Eh, yeah. Let's, 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 let's skin the guy. Let's take what he's got. See, he's got any gold in his... You know, maybe he's got some What's gold in his teeth. What's he going to do teeth. about it? Yeah. What's he going to do about it? He doesn't need it. He's sitting on the street. You know, he's done. Oh, crazy. Uh, U.S. Federal Deposit Insurance Corp. FDIC is planning to relaunch the sale for Silicon Valley Bank after failing to attract buyers in its latest auction seeking a potential breakup of the failed lender. And uh, again, banks are going to go and be able to cherry pick parts of this deal uh, and get, you know, really, uh, because of course, we always go back to the same point, right? A strong banking system is good for the economy. So therefore, after all of this, we've gotten rid of some of the weakest, the weakest links. Weak sisters. Yep. And now we're going to strengthen and bolster by helping out other banks, which in turn is good for everybody. Especially well, the somebody's got to get screwed in these deals. It's just the shareholders. Is that it? The share, well, the depositors are not getting screwed. So let's take them off. No, they're, they're good to go. Uh, co companies that invested or uh, put a lot of money on deposit. Yeah. The deposit, nothing. Uh, the co uh, common stockholders, common shareholders, and maybe some of the, um, lower down level bond holders, maybe, but generally speaking, it doesn't seem like anybody's really getting screwed for being in banks. I've had some arguments this weekend with some young people that said it's not their fault, the people who deposit, they didn't know anything about the bank. They shouldn't lose any money. I said, wait, I didn't ask you to look at the financial of the bank, but if you have over $250,000 and the bank goes under, you lose money. No, that's not fair, they said. What are you talking about? Well, it's nobody's fault besides the bank, and the people shouldn't have the responsibility to find out how much. I said, 
but everybody should know there's a $250,000 cap. On, this is somebody who's smart, by the way, in the financial area. Financial area. Uh, 50, a $250,000 cap. And then spread your money out. But that's not reasonable. Who wants to do that? It's not easy. Makes it a problem to have multiple banks. Like, not my problem. But nobody should get hurt because they it's not their fault. I'm like, okay. Again, trophies for everybody. <laughs> stupid, stupid. Bank of America took more than a one point, uh, no, no, took in uh, $15 billion of new deposits in a matter of days over the last week. This is another thing. The banks are all talking, flexing their muscle, you know, talking about how much money they're taking in. That's the new thing. The good news out of all of this, we hear nothing about AI. Ah. <laughs> it's not a, not a peep. Not a peep. Yeah, and well, at least not in the news. And there's no, like, Elon Musk news either. Oh, that's, that's, there's a plus. You know, it's, it's, he's kind of saying that he wants a cut of 50 basis points. He said that? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Of course he does. Of course he does. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, Bank of America took in $15 billion, a new deposit in a matter of days, emerging as one of the big winners after the collapse of uh, three smaller banks, uh, which, which can dent to confidence. Schwab clients, uh, oh boy. They're, they're, they're big, 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 uh, big money coming in, M money moving in from one place to the other. So the big are going to get bigger and too big and too bigger to fail. Yeah, that was supposed to be prevented. But we're right back to it. Yeah, back to it in spades. And you're going to have, for, listen, what's the, what's the, what's the end result of all this? It's going to be economic damage. Okay, we'll leave that aside for a second you know this is going to lead to much more stringent regulations on the smaller and mid-sized banks, which will then curtail profits, which will then curtail economic, um, the ability for banks to lend, which will then curtail economic output. Nothing good comes from what's going on. I agree. Circle gets square. Thank you. Who's your favorite? It also, it also may be a, a, a kind of a foretelling. It always bothers me. What, what do you mean? You know, it's like this is a little skirmish that we had, which a lot of people didn't freak out too much about, which is a good thing, but all that. But it's just something that's going to happen in a bigger way down the road. It doesn't. It, doesn't it get big? I mean, we the the signature bank. Uh, and, and Silicon Valley Bank, those are, those are gigantic. They, they, they kind of dwarf some they're, of the stuff that happens. They're bigger than, yeah, they're, yeah, they agree. Circle gets square. You remember that? No. Yes, you do. That's Hollywood Squares. Sir, oh, sir. <laughs> yeah, Circle gets the- Who uh, is your favorite center square? Well, I mean, Paul Lind is Paul the Lind. classic. Paul Lind. How many years did he do that? Well, he's the one who dominated it. Yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. He had a funny way of talking. Very flamboyant. <laughs> Very flamboyant. Um, all right, so we have another after-the-fact shoe story. Oh, your your favorite topic. Always always after-the-fact with the shoes. Now, we, 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 now, we reported on this, John. We really brought everybody's information up on this fact. It was a Reuters uh, story that broke about a Singapore shoe recycling project. Remember that? 
Yeah, the phony baloney recycling project. Yeah, they were going to put money into uh, various uh, feel-good types of construction, like sidewalks for disabled people with wheelchairs and make yeah, made parks, out of shoes. Right, parks for underprivileged, you know, children and all these kinds of things. Right, it's like yes, I'm giving my shoes. Meanwhile, they ended up in secondhand shops all across Singapore and throughout Indonesia. Yeah. Well, of course, the people that were involved with this DuPont and a few others said, gosh, we, we got to look into this. How did this ever happen? So, which this, 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 this project that was a, a, a subject of surprise inspections of a, of a Reuters investigation, um, and, and, uh, and through his donations, uh, the Singapore Ministry of Culture was very upset. So presented with the findings, Dow and Sport Singapore opened an investigation and later terminated the contract of Yoke Impacts, a local textile exporter that was subcontracted to collect the shoes from donation bins and just took them to various secondhand shots. Now, still... You think that if I said that we're going to have these donation bins and they're going to go to recycle plant, that the recycle plant would say like, hey, it's been six months and I don't see anything. You yeah. think that these companies that ran this program would have been alerted in the first few months, weeks, that nothing well, was ever received? Well, you know... The way these businesses, this sort of business is operated, maybe not. Hey, Bill, how come we didn't get any shoes this month? I don't know. We want to give him a call, find out what's going on? Yeah, we'll, we'll just wait. Yeah, I'm not counting the used shoes. What do you want me to do, dumpster dive and figure out whose is whose? That's what we hired this company to do. Anyway, so they're going to, you know, everybody's, nobody's going to take responsibility and uh, at the end, once again, the individual who was nice enough to donate their stinking sneakers is screwed. Well, how are they screwed? Because they gave away their money. They could have sold it. They could have used it. They could have handed it down. Yeah, they would have. If the, if, the, if the operation was legitimate, they'd still not have the shoe. That's correct. So I guess they didn't lose the fact that they didn't have a shoe, but they got screwed. The fact that well, they got they got uh, I would say screwed because it wasn't a loss because they were going to give the shoes away anyway. I would say they got hornswoggled. That's ah, the word you're looking for. Hornswoggled. That's a good. That's a good one. Hornswoggled. Yeah, yeah. I like it. So, <clears throat> but all, of course, it always is uh, with shoes. Always after the fact, and it's, I don't understand why we're still taking off our shoes. By the way, you and these shoes. Yeah, there you go. Now I, you're talking. I was, I was. I listen. You I know, went, Crocs is like hundred and twenty-two dollars a share. I love it. Do you know though? Did I tell you about the Aruba Airport? I had it like stripped down two or three times. Adam Curry on the No Agenda show this week, broadcasting from Jamaica. By the way, broadcasting yeah. from Jamaica. There's a guy that is committed, or should be committed. Either one. But uh, Thursdays and Sundays, you can hear John and Adam talking about all sorts of great political things. One of the things they talked about, though, was he talked about the lack of anybody doing anything in the uh, airport line with regard to um, the, the folks, the, the TSA. All they do is TSA, point, yeah, they uh, can... point at the screen. 
Yeah, he was complaining about the TSA. And this you agreed. Quebec will be interesting. You agreed. Yeah, well, I, I'm not flying anywhere. You know, whatever he says, it sounds right to me. <laughs> he did the, the whole scene that he made with the, you know, one guy has the bins, the other guy has the bins, the other guy's pointing. There's always one by a guy in the back doing nothing. You know, the other guy is always standing there. Only one, always one nasty one. It's a meaning. Minimum of one. A minimum, yeah. Do I have to take off my belt? What do you think? Okay, all right, okay. Uh, let's see what we got. Let's go back you know, to... I've never taken off my belt in... Really? 10 years of travel, yeah. Hmm. Depends on what machine you go into, I guess. Well. Banks are talking... We're going to... A little out of order here, but back to the banks for one second because they're talking about two, two sides of the mouth. On one hand, as I mentioned, they're talking about how much money they're getting in deposits, not losing anything meaningful. Every, nobody's leaving. Meanwhile, there's lots of money coming out and going somewhere, but nobody's leaving anywhere. On the other hand, banks sought record amounts of emerging liquidity from the Federal Reserve over the recent days. In fact, banks took an all-time high $152 billion <laughs> from the Fed's uh, traditional lender of last resort facility known as the discount window as of mid-last week, while also taking $11.9 billion in loans from the Fed's newly created bank term lending program. Could be responsible for the run-up in Bitcoin. If surely. That's what they and did. Gold. They bought Bitcoin. And gold. Uh, Gold's up to over 2,000 last time I looked. It was, yeah, 19. This is shy of that, I think. The discount window jump uh, crashed through the prior record of 120, 112 billion in the fall of 2008. So that was a bad time. Would we agree with that? 2008? Yeah. Worst. Yep. Yeah. They went and could took last week 152 billion. I wonder if you could make a calculation that accounting for inflation it's the same amount. Even if it's a little less. It seems to it's me a lot. It's a lot. Seems like too much. Seems like a lot of money. Like they're taking advantage of it. Always. And and I think a bank's got to pass that hey, there's a lot of things going on. So it was at one time back in uh Back in 08, 09, when the bank went to the discount window, it was like, uh-oh, that's bad. So they tried to hide that. As a matter of fact, I think there was a time that they would not give out the information of how much or who took from the discount window until mm. like a couple months later, which is exactly the play, right? Because then you don't know who's hurting and who doesn't, which is so unfair, by the way. Talk about lack of transparency. Yeah, you need to know, investors need to know this information. Right, but they don't care because it doesn't matter. It's in the better, it's Machiavellian. It's in the better, uh, it's, it's, it's for the betterment of the of the masses that you don't know. Hmm. So this, I think, is pretty interesting where we have this much money being injected and everybody thinking this whole thing is over. It, it appears to me that there's plenty of other banks with the same problem that we had. And just a, a murmur from somebody that causes another run can definitely take down another bank. I mean, we're talking about a week to take down Silicon Valley Bank Corp, right? Uh, was it that long? I thought it was just like four days. Okay. And then and then it was then it was just how long for the next bank? Just like a week. Yeah. Then we saw Credit Suisse after 150 years and probably the last 30 suffering go down in a weekend. 
a week. Still with no plan that's for much of this. That's action. That's a lot of action. Yep. Negative action. Yep. President Biden uh, did a big veto. His first veto. His first, first, first veto. Congratulations, President Biden. He vetoed a bill that would have repealed the rule that allowed money managers to consider climate change and other ESG factors on retirement investments. So that's very confusing. So what basically he did is said, there was a bill that said, hey, um, they're, they're currently, currently in place now, there is a uh, rule that allows money ma managers to look at, and, and, and to a degree, somehow, not requires, but promotes the use of ESG factors and climate change for pensions and other wise uh, large investments and small ones to, to look at those for their investment choices. It's kind of an important thing. It became important. Everybody's like, this is bullshit. Why are we doing climate change in my investing and why put it yeah. in writing and why is it a law? Yeah. So they tried to repeal it, but he vetoed the repeal. So yeah, because, uh, and his excuse was hilarious. What do, you, what do you say exactly? He said, well, he repealed it because he wants to give, uh, uh, make sure that people get the best deal in their, in these investments. And by repealing that, they're going to, they're, you know, unless they, take that into account with all the investments, they're not going to get the best deal for the investors. So you have to look at this stuff is good. It's, it's good for you. I got to tell you something. The depth of stupidity is astounding. It, it, it It's well, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people believe him, but wow. How, how crazy is a world that we're living in that we have just this kind of just ridiculousness. Yeah, I agree. It's just as ridiculous as the next topic, which I thought we'd go a little bit uh, on a side trip, a little bit of an unusual news commentary. You like to do that. Well, there's a trademark dispute. There's this business discussion. There's part business here, right? There's, there's something to do with business. We got a trademark dispute over a poop-themed dog toy shaped like a Jack Daniels whiskey bottle. It's come before the U.S. Supreme Court. And it, it could redefine how the the... The laws apply constitutional free speech, the rights to trademark law. So Jack Daniels Properties, owned by Louisville, Kentucky-based Brown Foreman, is appealing a lower court decision that the Phoenix-based VIP products, Bad Spaniels, like as in Jack Daniels, Bad Spaniels, chew toys and expressive work protected by the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. So the toy... It's a little squeaky toy. It 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 it, it uh, mimics the Jack Daniel's famous whiskey bottle with humorous dog dog theme alterations, like replacing old number seven with old number two on your Tennessee carpet, and and alcohol descriptions with forty three percent poo by volume and one hundred percent smelly. Plenty of other toys out there too. There's the interesting thing. Have you have you seen any of these? No, I've never seen them, and I'm, you know, I check out dog toys for dogs. There's plenty of alcohol-inspired. Uh, so you have, for example, Jameson, Jamutson. Cute. Barker's Mark. Cute. Star Pups, like Starbucks. White Paw, like White Claw. Pup Light, like Bud Light. Pups Blue Ribbon. I like that one. Um, Houndacy. Like Hennessy. Yeah. 
Cholulu hot sauce. <laughs> okay. Dr. Pooper and Poopsie. Okay, all, all, right. good, all in good fun. Well, uh, by by the general standards, uh, use, doing something that's a parody or humor, using something else as a, as a base, as a baseline, has always been legal. Yeah. They just don't like the, the bad press they're getting maybe with the old number two on your Tennessee carpet. <laughs> yep. Maybe that or the, I think, uh, 43% poo by volume. I think that would annoy me. That would annoy me, yeah. Or 100% smelly. <laughs> <laughs> now, over to Europe, the European Commission has drafted. I, this is right up your alley because this needs some splenaning. Uh, the European Commission has drafted a plan allowing sales of new cars with internal combustion engines that run only on climate-neutral e-fuels. Yeah. Uh, an attempt is. to resolve a spat with Germany over the EU's phasing out of combustion cars in 2035. So um, this this, yeah, this e-fuel, what is this? I'm not sure. Biofuel, I, I looked this up. It's carbon-neutral fuel is fuel which produces no net greenhouse gas emissions or carbon oh, footprint. It's like something, you know, this is like, this would be like, this would be like making a uh, motor that runs on uh, wood burning. Uh, you know, there are these wood burning, you can bust wood and then you can make a, a, a gas uh, and then put it in the engine and burn it. Uh, you, you can look it up. You'll what about see steam engines, steam engines. Steam is if it used wood. Yeah. Because wood is carbon neutral because it sucks CO2 out of the air and then turns into wood. You chop the wood up, burn the wood, and the CO2 that comes off the wood negates the CO2 that was sucked up by the tree to begin with. And that would be that would be an example of climate neutral e-fuel. Wood is actually a climate neutral e-fuel. You just burn wood. Yeah, this is hydrogen. Seems to be a hydrogen if we ever get that going. Biofuels are another one. And and I guess people are still, you know, talking about electric being the play without any kind of consideration to what electric, how electric is created. Right. We're still- well, there's that element. And the other thing is that if you had a, people are starting to discuss this now, it's going to become a topic of conversation. The, uh, the idea of it, China or somebody dropping an EMP oh. or blowing up an EMP, electromagnetic magnetic pulse bomb, in the atmosphere nearby and knocking out the grid, the electric grid. You won't, the only people with the internal combustion engines, if their cars aren't damaged by the EMP, though you won't be able to drive anything else. You won't be able to get any electricity. Everything's going to be dark. You can't charge your car. But if you have a gas powered car, you can drive around. Well, the grid cannot handle a, this this switch over the way it's being done. Mm. Everybody knows it. Yep. If anybody's listening in Australia, I have good news. Australian folk who purchased their Peloton device on a firm are in for some good news because a firm is waiving the balance of their outstanding loans. Uh, what? They're going to be ceasing operations in Australia for... Uh, I guess in, in March, end of March. And uh, in doing so, they're just saying, you know what? If you bought something, just keep it. You, you good to go? Yep, good to go. Wow. Only in Australia. Well, it never happens here much. Yeah. 
Um, then we have what's going on with the cigarette company, which is interesting. Um, there's a company called, well, it's a Dubai-based tobacco business called Alfucker. Yeah. <laughs> That's the name of it, isn't it? Look at it. How else do you say that? I don't see it on here. All the way is this all right at the bottom there. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, fucker. Oh, yeah. fucker. Oh, fucker. Oh, fucker. Oh, fucker. Yeah. So, all fucker. Like the uh, German plane, the F O K K E, are the fucker. Yeah. All fucker has hired Rothschild and company to advise on a strategic option, including a possible initial public offering. Um, all fucker is owned by Advanced Inhalation Rituals, a private company that has a major ownership in London based Kingsway Capital. So, uh, they're trying to uh, get these together and uh, create a, a marriage where the, um, you know, you have, I guess, a, you get a combine is going to be. Can you get some, can you get a few shares that's, that they give, give them to you? And this is all fucker on there. How great is that? Great. Yeah. Let's yeah, all share and all fucker. Shares. Let's all share and all yeah. fucker. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Back, to the, all right. back to the eighth grade. Back, back to the fifth grade. Okay, here we go. This is a game that we play. It's not a solicitation to buy or sell any security. It's not a recommendation of any kind. Nothing on the show should be considered investment advice or a recommendation. If you choose to invest in any of the stocks mentioned, you should know that it may carry risk, along with the risk of a loss of principal. You should also seek out professional financial advice for your particular situation. We assume no risk as these are not to be considered recommendations. Horowitz Company, myself, or John C. Dvorak may invest in any of the securities mentioned, and we'll disclose that on the website under the weekly stock picks section. You can go to dhunplugged.com and see all the names we discuss in the segment, along with the performance information from the date discussed, as well as any additional important disclosures. This looks pretty good. You take it. Well, we got all of our picks from last show are off. Well, that we picked some pretty wild stuff. Well, they go. It was a lot of uh, whipsaw and up and down and up and down problems. So that includes Charles Schwab, uh, First Republic, PacWest, Bank Corp, and Summit Therapeutics. So that's I think two for each of us. Mm -hmm. Two for each of us. Yeah. Yep. Uh, everything else is in the green except for the long uh, old. The old uh, energy transfer LP, which is always a good company, and is, but it's still down four. Got point. kicked. Oh, it got kicked. Oh, yep. now so we're all in the green. Yeah, everything's good. It's great. Stop I'm right there. Close anything. up. I want to close it up. See all green. I want to see all green. <laughs> next show. Yeah, it could be. So uh, I got. Sounds nothing. better than it is. It sounds better than it is because obviously the losses. If we took off what we took off last week, you know, uh, Twilio. Down three percent. Although our our, our our losses are not that terrible. No, here six percent there. I have six. But you got these, you know, that are offsetting pretty well. I don't really have anything either. We're gonna end the show, I guess, early tonight. Um, I I have nothing. I was gonna. I, there was a few different names I was looking at, uh, looking at Celsius again. I was looking at the the the, the drink company. But with I I should mention something that all the shorts and we have five of them, which is a lot, are up. That makes sense. Things aren't good. Things aren't so, good. Well, we'll see how they are. We have by six next shorts. Week. We have a six shorts, by the way, because the the um, AXS. Oh, right. Short, You're, yeah, right, right. So it's a fake short. Yeah. yeah. Yes, fake short. Fake short. So, um, what else you got? Anything else you want to talk about? Anything? No, I'm nothing. good to go. I've got nothing. A couple of things I'm going to mention. It's raining like a. It's in oh. windy here. It's, it's miserable out in California. Took the boat down to the Keys this weekend. 
Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, it was good. Good ride. We saw some dolphins swimming with us the whole time. Catch any catch any fish? No, didn't go fishing. Just went um, down to this really cool place, a tiki, big tiki bar, docked the boat, stayed there overnight, actually. Um, and then um, at a hotel. We stayed at the hotel there. And uh, then I went to three different bars in, in uh, Ala Mirada and, and Key Largo, and then shot back in the afternoon. Went to a really famous place called Le Tub for, I don't even know, there's got to be three quarter pound burgers, these big, fat, giant burgers on the way home. Uh, wow. It was my birthday, my friend's birthday. That was oh, that's right, your birthday. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then this weekend coming up is the chili competition. Oh, and you're entering? I'm entering. I'm entering. So I'll just give this to you briefly. So I, I took, I brought back the 100% cocoa from Panama. I'm going to use that inside of it. Good idea. Um, and I'm going to make a little topping, very thin cornbread made with buttermilk and a little extra egg yolk. So it we'll make sure moist. you use a lot of ancho. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And then uh, I'm going to cut out like a shape and then do a Nashville hot fry on the cornbread. Oh. So, so when, when it will be a thin. So you're like, going to make it. So it's not going to be just like chili, chili to chili. It's, you're, you're fancying it up to, yeah. to, to, to persuade the judges. Right. So as a matter of fact, the, I have cutouts of a chili pepper, which I will paint to make a green top and a red bottom. And uh, I'll do that with a, with a creme mexicana, which I'll um, uh, put some f- coloring in, um, some jalapeno and some, some serrano. And then, nice. and then uh, little, I, I pickled jalapenos and I have vinegared, uh, sweet pickled jalapenos. And I have, I have, I have uh, chili arabol, very hot little chili peppers that yeah, I've been this. vinegaring. We'll put that little dab on there as well. And then we'll have smoked. I'm making a. I'm, I'm smoking um, sea salt cheddar, and I have a very uh, rich, you know, yellow cheddar. And I don't understand how you could possibly lose this competition. It's possible. It's always possible. Last year, I didn't know how it was possible. But I have nice little serving dishes for the judges. We have uh, actually a couple of professional judges coming in too. So they, that's usually better. Yeah. So this is a little more fair. So yeah. I will let you know how it comes out. I'll post some things on Twitter. Make sure to follow me, Andrew Horowitz. Follow John over on The Real Dvorak. Make sure to listen to The Disciplined Investor. Anthony Scaramucci was my guest this week. One of my best interviews in a while. Oh, I'll have to go back and listen excellent, to it. Excellent, excellent show. He's a chatterbox. Yeah, it was great. It's great. So uh, we got that. And of course, as I mentioned, I'll mention again, uh, you can listen to No Agenda, one of the best, if not the best podcast in the universe uh, on um, any podcast app, uh, live also on Thursdays and Sundays at 2 p.m. Other than that, we're going to call it a show. All right. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening in on a conversation with John C. Dvorak and Andrew Horowitz. Hope to be with you again soon. Bye-bye. Now, I'm not broke, but badly bent. I'm not down to my last cent, because I got a dollar, but it's my last dollar bill. <laughs> yes, sir. In my pockets, there's a dent. All my dough is nearly spent, but I got a dollar, and it's my last dollar bill. Oh, I'd love just one more buck fortune left me by chance. Now, here's a hint. I feel like a man. You can hardly tell by a glance. I don't care. No millionaire can give me the icy stare, because I got a dollar, my last dollar bill. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered 
as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.